You know there's a way for nurses to start a business, but there's so many moving pieces. Cut to the crap. It's time to go right to the source and get real about what's working in business and marketing for nurses with your host, the founder of Nursepreneurs, Katie Harris. Hi, it's Katie, and this is another episode of the Nursepreneur Podcast, and today I have Nicole Garitano, who is a doctorally prepared nurse and certified coach with a passion for helping other nurses reach their full potential. I love that. So uh, she's worked from the bedside to academia and in many facets of nursing and, uh, you know, is worked in the area of stress and burnout in the profession. Um, and has built her own business around uh, coaching and helping to support nursing, nursing staffing, and um, well, I'll let you tell us everything that you that you do. Uh, but thanks so much, Nicole, for for coming on today. Well, thank you, Katie, for having me. I'm really excited um, to be here because, like you said, um, nurses, the profession, stress, stress, and burnout. Um, I do. They're just close to my heart, mainly because I've been down that road. And when you've walked in those shoes, you can really empathize with um, those around you. Um, so I'm really excited to be here today and get to share a little bit about what I've been doing to try to change the course for other nurses. Awesome. Um, so why don't we start with uh, some of your background, like, um, you know, what kind of nurse have you been over the years and what kind of led you up to this path where you are, what this path that you're on right now? Yes. So actually, um, nursing is a second career for me. I spent um, about eight years in the business world. And um, when I was around 24 years old, I had melanoma. And I'd already been a little disenchanted with my jobs in the business world, even though I'd only been out of college, you know, a few years at that point. Um, but when I went through that experience, I had um, a surgical oncologist that didn't believe in putting you under um, if you were of a certain age. And so when I had that excision done, I actually was awake for it. And I had a nurse at the head of the bed that coached me through that 45 minute to hour surgery. And I just knew after I recovered from that, I wanted to make a difference in people's lives in a different way than I was able to do in the business world. And that really set me on a journey of trying to figure out how do I go back to school? You know, I already had a job. I had already bought a house. Um, you know, how do you go back to school and do that? So I spent a few years really navigating and really praying over that. And um, it eventually came together that I was able to do an accelerated um, nursing program. And so I did that. And when I got done with that, I went into um, a NICU setting, loved the babies, I loved um, critical care. So I did that for quite a while. And then I had some different things occur um, in my personal life. I went through a divorce and, and just some things that kind of rocked my world, um, you know, as, as I was approaching uh, my mid-30s. And so I made a move to the PACU, but still in a pediatric setting and really enjoyed that level of bedside nursing, just so much independence. It really grew my confidence. Um, I was able to get involved in a lot of um, like shared governance and, and things of that nature within the hospital system I was in. And my business background really helped me um, in terms of those types of committees and work like that because I had a different understanding of how um, things worked, you know, within that 
more of a corporate hospital system. Um, and then I decided to go back and get my pediatric acute care nurse practitioner certification. So I did that at Vanderbilt. And then I worked in the PICU for a brief amount of time and then with the heart failure transplant team um, in a pediatric setting. So I stayed in that critical care kind of arena. Um, really loved that connection with families, but definitely saw not only nursing staff, but families in high stress situations um, and just the toll that takes on you emotionally, mentally, physically. Um, and then I started my DNP program and um, I started that at the University of Cincinnati and I was in the program about a year and they needed someone to coordinate their pediatric program. And so I kind of got recruited over from the hospital I was at um, over to the university setting. And so I really loved that. And it was very eye-opening to me. I didn't realize how almost addicted I was to my role um, at the hospital until I completely switched it up. And there's so much freedom um, in academia. I didn't realize what I was missing in my personal life um, until I actually had a personal life again. So that was a, an interesting transition for me. Um, and then from there, I, I led some other programs, got the doctoral program there. Um, and I'm actually still in academia. So right now I work at, also at the University of Kentucky as a doctoral faculty in their graduate programs. Um, but I just have always had this passion for wanting to help others. And I was able to do um, some certification classes around mind body skills techniques and taught those to medical students at the University of Cincinnati. And I just got to see firsthand week after week over the course of 11 weeks of that training, the impact it had on those medical students, the change in their stress levels, um, how they were enjoying their life, you know, so much more and, and taking time to enjoy life, even though they were in a very rigorous program. Um, and that just really helped me focus that much more on the need to help nurses, you know, at that level, because even in that setting, this course was offered to nurses, but they would never sign up for it. They would always say there were too many competing um, demands and it was free. You didn't have to pay tuition for it. And so I thought that was really ironic that just nurses in general, maybe women in general, we don't tend to make a lot of time for ourselves. We are overcommitted, you know, at work and at home. And so um, that just kind of planted the seed in my mind that much more that I really needed to um, push forward and find a way to reach nurses. Yeah, and, you, and you've said a lot in, in that. And one of the things that mm -hmm. resonates with me is that I had a similar experience in that I, I worked at the NICU, but it was the neuro ICU, not not babies. And mm -hmm. I worked with neurosurgeons and you know I just got totally burnt out working like 80, 90 hour weeks with them. And it was just kind of like, it was fun for a couple of years, but then they mm -hmm. graduated and moved on and started making millions of dollars, <laughs> you know, yes. and, and I'm like, you know, still doing the same thing. And I'm like, wait a minute, <laughs> exactly. what's wrong here? Yeah. So, you know, I started to get really angry uh, just in general, like I'd get to work and I'd just be just mad, you know, it, mm -hmm. it didn't take anything to set me off. And it took me a long time to figure out what it was. And when I switched over to academia, like you said, the lifestyle mm -hmm. change is ridiculous. And it's all, all of a sudden, I remember sitting the first day of work, sitting down and I'm like, what do I do? I know. There's so much freedom. <laughs> yeah, there's so much freedom. Like, I don't know what to do. I get all this free time. Um, yeah. So yeah, that was great. Um, but also, you know, what you said about the, the mind, body, and, and nurses, and do you think it is that we're a female-dominated 
profession that we don't take the time to take care of ourselves or um, what do you think? I think that's a piece of it, but I think whether you're a male or female nurse, I think the job in and of itself, the expectations, the way we're trained, you know, we want to be everything to everyone. Um, particularly with my experience in pediatrics, you're not just, you know, taking care of the patient in a lot of ways, you're actually ministering, you know, to the family at the bedside. And then you're trying to have these collegial relationships, right, within this interprofessional team that can be extremely um, challenging. And then there's long hours and not a lot of breaks. And so it's almost like a perfect storm of trying to be that type A high achiever um, without a lot of support systems sometimes in place. And, you know, I think even in the academic world, we can fall into it. Um, you know, I definitely found myself at a stressful point in academia a few years ago, simply because of saying yes, right, to every opportunity that came along. Saying yes, because maybe I didn't think or I felt like there wasn't somebody else that would do it or saying yes, because I thought it was best for the students and I didn't want to leave anyone hanging. Um, so I think even when you get some more freedom, if you're not really mindful of what you're taking on and what really brings you joy, you know, um, and can sustain you through those ups and, you know, when you have the ups and the downs, um, you kind of can set yourself up over and over again to suffer from, from burnout until you start to recognize when you're heading down that path. Right. So it doesn't really matter what path you're on I, I, at some level, whether you're at the bedside or you're a nurse practitioner, or you're in academics, it's kind of like the, the same burnout path if you, you don't recognize that pattern, right? Right, right. Okay. Um, yeah. And I think that's really important. And, you know, I, I also wonder sometimes, like, if there's not that guilt component in that, you know, um, you know, maybe if we admit that we need help, um, you know, we're not so, I, I don't know, I, I, there might be that component in there that just, it's like a sign of weakness or something. Yeah. Do you find that? Yes, I would agree with that. I think there is guilt tied up in there, but also, yes, that sign of weakness. As nurses, I mean, healthcare professionals in general, we're, we're trained that there's really no room for error, right? I mean, if you make a major mistake, there could be someone's life you know, that you're risking at that moment, um, or a process or a system could break down. And so I think with that type of training, you know, if you admit you're burnt out, you admit that you're tired, it's almost like saying, I can't handle the pressure of this job, right? Or I can't handle what I signed up for. Um, and, you know, I, I do feel a lot of nurses are very type A, high achieving individuals in all areas of their life. And so a lot of times it's not just what you're doing at work. It's also what nurses may be trying to juggle at home, you know, so whether that be their um, romantic relationship with a spouse or a partner, maybe they are a single parent, right, with children that they're trying to parent on their own. Maybe they're a caregiver to an aging parent. Um, you know, maybe they have internal turmoil with a friend or a family, you know, or a relative. Um, there's so many things, right? We all have these private lives and we know what can be going on, but I think sometimes we don't step back and really look at the people around us and think, I wonder what's going on with them. I think it's so easy in our work environments to judge and be triggered really easily without taking that time to step back and say, gosh, I wonder what else could be going on. What I said in that meeting, did that really offend them? Or is there something maybe going on behind the scenes that I'm just not aware of and I just happen to be the person at the time, right, that triggered them for, mm -hmm. for any, you know, for any other reason. Um, so I think sometimes we're so caught up and I kind of call it like the story of me, <laughs> You're so, you're playing out your own 
troubles in your mind or your own agenda so often or your own to-do list that we don't often step back and really take that time to be mindful of what's going on with the people around us. Right. Um, so tell me about your business and how you kind of came up with the idea and how you just uh, decided to bring it to fruition. Yes. So um, I'd had it on my heart and on my mind for a while, but you know, like I said, I kept taking on other things at work. I kept doing <laughs> new things. Um, and for me, it was really like, a hard stop. So in um, January of 2016, my husband and I adopted um, our daughter and we got her at birth, but I did not take a leave from work, even though I was allowed to. Um, we had to live in another state for a month while we waited for everything to kind of go through. And I just felt like since I taught a lot of online classes, I would like that connection, right? While I'm living in this hotel, it was like the only normal thing I could still have while I had to kind of live on my own. He traveled back and forth um, on the weekends to be with us. So I chose, you know, to do this, not realizing that not taking a break was probably not the most healthy thing for me. So you fast forward a year and I got to March of 2017 and I had taken on an interim position at the college. Um, I was still doing my current position. You know, I had a just over one year old uh, um, child. So I was trying to be like, super career person, super mom, super <laughs> wife. Um, and I probably wasn't really being super at any of them in hindsight. But the, um, the morning of March 24th, I won't forget the date, I woke up at like four in the morning with acute onset pain down my neck and down my right arm. And I sat up and thought, oh, I must have been, you know, sleeping funny. And I tried to shake it off. And when I sat up, I'm like, oh, I don't know. I've never had nerve pain. But if the, from everything, you know, you learn in school, this feels like it's nerve pain. You know, I can't, I can't shake it. I can't like rub the muscle there. So I woke my husband up and I just couldn't get comfortable. So eventually he took me to the emergency room and um, I ended up having a herniated cervical disc with no known injury other than I was extremely stressed. I was grinding my teeth at night while I was sleeping. Um, so I had to lay, it was a Friday morning. I had to basically lay in bed all weekend because nobody could do an MRI on me until Monday. And I couldn't really go see a neurosurgeon until that following week. So laying in bed was really a hard stop for me. I could hear everybody was coming over to help us, you know, so it was great to have all that support. Um, but, you know, when you're forced to stop and you're forced to lay down and kind of be in pain, it just made me reevaluate. And I kept thinking that weekend, if this is me right now, I know there's other people like me out there. Right. I know there's other women like me trying to do it all and probably feeling like they're not doing a great job at any of it. And I kind of made up my mind right there that weekend, like, as soon as I feel better, I'm going to take steps to start this business that I've had on my mind. And so um, after I was feeling better, I signed up for an entrepreneurship class where they kind of helped you, you know, like craft your idea. Um, and it, my first go around with it, um, my first stab, I guess I should say, I kind of focused on just wellness coaching. Um, I signed up and, and got a coaching certification. So I was kind of doing the entrepreneurship class and the coaching certification together. So I'd be ready to start my website and do all of that. And, and I, I did start working with some, um, you know, health coaching type of clients, but it was just still really on my mind. Gosh, nurses need this. They need it. And that's who I am, right? I'm a nurse and I want to serve the people that I know best. I know what they do day in and day out. I know what they do at different levels. Um, and so it was really kind of born from that experience and just knowing I needed to probably serve people in my profession in a higher way um, and kind of just give that love, I guess, if you want to call it that, um, forward to people that, that need it. And so um, 
I kind of transitioned out of the wellness coaching and, and started moving more towards um, coaching nurses at, at different levels. So, you know, you could be a bedside nurse, you might be a nurse executive. Um, and I also have a handful of clients that are not nursing at all. Um, but they've just come my way, you know, through referrals and, and things of that nature. So um, I enjoy working, you know, with people outside of healthcare um, as well. But I just think nurses don't always have that support or someone to go to um, within their hospital systems or maybe within their work setting. Right. Uh, so, okay, so you set up your business, you came up with this idea, um, and you set up your, your website. Um, how did you start bringing clients into your business? Yeah, so um, I did a lot of that, kind of pushing out my website to other nursing professionals that I know, kind of like just word of mouth. Um, so since I'm still in academia, this is still my side hustle, but I believe we all can do anything we set our minds to. And so you always have that transition period where you have to try and grow your business. Um, but a lot of what I do in my coaching business, I get to do with students, you know, in academia, because you are their mentor, you are their coach. And since I work with graduate students, I mean, those are nursing professionals, you know, coming back for their DNP. So they're already nurse practitioners or, you know, working in nursing administration. Um, so I find that I, I get to do my coaching all the time. It's just, am I doing it in the academic setting or am I doing it more under my own umbrella um, at this point in time? Mm -hmm. um, and how, how has the nursing profession kind of responded to it? Is it still kind of like, do you still get that hesitancy? Like, oh, well, if I come to you as a coach, then, you know, you know, because I can even feel myself resisting, um, knowing mm -hmm. that I could have used a coach, especially back then when I was so angry. Mm -hmm. Like, yes. you know, that's, it's just like, I want to say point of weakness, like it, that would have felt like a failure to me. And how, how do you help people get over that? Well, I mean, you know, when you when you have a coaching relationship, it's it's a private relationship. Um, so it's not like I go, you know, I'm not going to go back to where you work. That's one of the things I kind of <laughs> set up from the beginning. And, you know, there's some people I might do an initial call with and I'm like, they might, they need more than a coach. Right. And so you try to make sure you funnel people through the right channels or help them seek out maybe if they need additional help, because there's a there's a blurry line when you're a nurse and you're a coach. Right. Because we're trained to deal with people that might be going through some more intense type of mental, you know, issues or grief or different things like that. But coaching is not really to deal with those issues. You know, sometimes I've had to tell people, I think you need to go do counseling or, you know, some group work somewhere. And then I think you're going to be ready for a coach, but I'm not trained, you know, to help you with those types of issues. And so I've had to have a good referral system. Um, but then there's other people that you talk to. And um, once you do that initial consult on the phone, you know if your personalities are going to mesh. And I'm just a big believer in you need to be able to mesh with the person you're going to work with. They need to be able to trust you. You know, they're going to share a lot of information with you. And so if I'm feeling like it's not a good fit or I can tell on there and they're not feeling like it's a good fit, I may try, you know, I'll try and help them find someone else. Um, but if we're feeling like it's a good fit, then, you know, we go ahead and we move forward into that first session. Um, but I don't, because I know nurses can be resistant to it or may take them a while to grasp the idea of, of getting that type of help or just engaging in that way, since we're kind of at the bedside coaching or we're coaching our patients, right, or we're mentoring them in some way. Sometimes it's hard to be on the receiving end. Um, 
So I try to be really mindful of that. And there's exercises that we do throughout the coaching. And so I'll kind of tailor the exercises, the activities they might do before our next meeting. Um, Because at the end of the day, coaching is really about empowerment, right? It's not that they they may need to talk to someone, but they really just need to talk to someone to re kind of craft their path and their plan and where they're going. And the great thing about nursing is we can reinvent ourselves whenever we need to. And that's what I really love about working with nurses is that they may be able to find a whole new path within nursing that's going to bring them joy, right? They're going to be able to pivot um, in that direction and realize a new potential. They just needed to kind of shift the direction their mind was going, um, you know, because they've been bogged down and they've had no one to share that with. Um, So it's more about empowerment and encouragement, I would say, than, you know, like truly counseling or or, um, someone feeling needy or inferior. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a, an important distinction, you know, having that, that I love that word empowerment, because um, that does, it's such a positive spin on it, as opposed to, there's something wrong with you that you can't handle at all. You right. Know? <laughs> <laughs> yes. um, you, you know, I am interested in that area, like, because it does seem like a blurry line between, you know, somebody that needs a coach and somebody that needs a psychiatrist. And do you have mm-hmm. like a formal way, like, how did you decide beforehand, you know, where that line is, or is it just something that you have an intuition about? So it's a little bit of both. Um, You know, there's like a little bit of an intake form. Well, there's an intake form that they they fill out before we might do like that free initial consultation. So I just have an idea of what we're going to, you know, the direction they're looking at or what's kind of been going on or why they're even seeking this out. Um, And then a lot of times based on that conversation, you know, I may hear what's going on in their personal life and it's some of its intuition, you know, being a nurse and being in healthcare. And, you know, sometimes as they talk to you, they may come out and just say, you know what, I didn't really realize until I started talking about this. Um, I got a lot more going on than I really <laughs> realized. Um, you know, they may kind of laugh or they're just like, take a deep breath. And then, then that kind of opens it up for me to say, well, then, you know, I, it's up to you, but you know, you might want to think about what we've talked about just in this initial call and then decide is coaching what you need right now? Or, you know, maybe you need a stronger support system. You know, maybe you need to talk to someone that's more at a professional level about, you know, that past grief that you're dealing with or that trauma that may have come to the surface and us um, talking. But, you know, if people have had a serious trauma or definitely like a childhood trauma they bring up that I can tell through our conversation initially they haven't healed from. Those are not always the best clients for coaching because they need to work through and process some of those issues. And then I think they're, they're set up really well um, to move on into a coaching um, relationship. Right. Uh, And what is kind of like a success story for you? Like what, what would you consider like a, a successful coaching experience that you've had for clients? Yeah, so um, I've been working with a client for about the past year, and um, she's just had a total transformation. It's pretty amazing because we have like, there's some, the format that I kind of follow, we focus on specific areas um, in your life that like they're just consistent across your personal life into your professional life, because I just view it as a, con- a continuum, you know, that you can't really compartmentalize your personal life and your professional life. Um, But when I started working with her, she was just very um, meek, didn't have a lot of confidence, um, definitely had, you know, had made some mistakes in terms of educational paths and probably relationships. And um, it, it was, it has just been amazing in the past year to see 
where she started, you know, I could tell in our conversations, she wasn't feeling a hundred percent about herself. Um, and now a year later, we were just commenting in one of our last uh, phone calls about how she's taken on these new roles at work, how she's more involved in um, her community, how her friendships have grown, um, how she is actually at a point where she used to think she needed to be in a relationship, a romantic relationship. And, you know, in the past four to five months, she's decided she just wants to date herself because she's really excited about all these other things going on in her life. Um, and then just the connection that she has with her family now. And so, you know, all of that kind of coming full circle, what's, what's, um, what fills me with such gratitude is when I hear somebody like she could say that back to me, you know what I mean? During the phone call, I didn't have to tell her, Oh, look, this is where we were. And, and this is where, you know, you are now. She was saying it to me and she could recognize that, you know, through the process that, you know, doing the exercises, um, having someone hold her accountable, for the past year in our, in our phone calls, um, you know, she's in a different place and it's a happier place and she has a vision now for her future and she doesn't feel as sad as she felt. And she's actually excited about the unknown where that used to create a lot of fear for her. Um, now she's kind of embracing life in a different, a different way. And so that's, that's a good overarching example. I, I can't share too much, you know, specifics. Right, since right, it's right. A, yeah, that, no, that that's awesome. That's that's really great. Um, what kind of uh, what kind of packages do you have, or what what do you offer clients when they come to you? Yeah, so usually in that initial um, consultation, people can sign up for one on one um, coaching, which typically I do an hour every other week. Um, I do have a few clients like to do a half hour every week. Um, just because they feel like they may need that accountability. And then I also do um, group coaching using Zoom. So I try to limit that to three to four participants, but that tends to be a good option um, for people that may be more, more, more of a budget um, because that one doesn't cost quite as much, is a little discounted since you do it in a group setting. But what I try to do when I'm setting up a group one is find um, people with, this, with similar challenges, right, at work or at home. Um, so that they kind of have their own community then. And it's amazing to see what happens in those online groups like that as well, because you just, they get to know each other. Um, you know, they kind of offer each other support and encouragement. And so that's almost like it becomes a, a group coaching environment where I'm just not, you know, I'm not the sole coach um, in the group because they have so much they can share um, with each other. And I can say, honestly, since I've started doing this, I learn just as much from my clients, you know, as I think they probably um, learn from me. It's just, you know, I'm always so grateful at the end of the sessions because I'm like, wow, that was, you know, that I learned something today, you know, or I was enlightened um, in some way. And I just think nurses were lifelong learners, right? We like to grow and continue to evolve. And so it's been just as rewarding um, for me as well. Yeah, that that's great. And the group coaching, it is, you know, I, I mean, sometimes people feel like, oh, I have to have one on one. But, you know, sometimes that group coaching, it's like it becomes your little family away from family, or maybe it's the family you never had, or, you know, it's yes. just, it can be very powerful. <laughs> mm -hmm, it can be. And they just find out interesting things like they may have a birthday close together, you know what I mean? Or um, they've like been somewhere out of the country. That's the same. It's just fun you know, to watch the connections being made. Yeah, no, definitely. All right, Nicole, is there um, anything else that you want to tell the audience or um, some final words or, you know, how do you want to leave this? And, and also, where can we find you? 
Yeah. So um, you can find me at NicoleGaritano.com. And, you know, I would just say to anybody listening today, whether you're in a position where you feel you need coaching or not, the greatest thing we can remember every day is that we're worth it. We were all put here for a purpose. We all have a higher calling. Um, And just taking a few minutes to reflect every day on what that is uh, before you set out to do your good work for the day um, is going to shift your mindset, you know, in and of just that action. And so I would just say everyone on this call is valuable and contributing at a high level. That's really beautiful. (laughs) So Nicole Garitano, how do you spell that? Um, N-I-C-O-L-E-G-A-R-R-I-T-A-N-O.com. Okay. And I will put that in the show notes. And uh, so anybody that wants to contact you can, uh, can find you at your website. Okay. Thank you. All right. Thank you so much, Nicole. Yes. Thank you. I appreciate it.